0: Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. Worthy, worthy, worthy. God, we worship you. We exalt you in this place today. God, you'll be lifted up high above all things, God. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We exalt you. Amen. 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 Come on, one more time. Give it up for Jesus. So good. Hey, why don't you high five about three people around you? And come on, tell them he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. As you take a seat today, you can tell them that. He's worthy today. He's worthy. Yes, he is. Everybody doing all right? Happy Labor Day weekend. Hope hope your uh, Labor Day weekend is starting off good. I hope uh, anybody have off tomorrow. Come on. Yeah, let's go. all right hey I told the uh, I told the dream team earlier I said hey um, Trev you keep on staying right there brother let's go for a minute yes amen where the spirit of Trevin is there is I mean the Lord is there's is. <laughs> but yeah I told the dream team earlier I said hey like we live so busy lives do what tomorrow is intended for. Take it off. Like, if you have off tomorrow, press pause. Or maybe, maybe you don't have off tomorrow, but maybe you have off sometime this week. Make that your labor day. And, and take off. And, and rest. Yeah, because we need some rest. Amen. I think, I think uh, I looked at a study a long time ago, and it said that if you had an extra hour in the day, people were interviewed. They said, what would you use or what would you want? They'd be like, sleep. If I had an extra hour, I would use it to sleep. And so um, I want to encourage you to do that. Hey, my name is Pastor Welby. I'm the lead pastor here. We get the privilege and honor to get to do this with my wife. And uh, I I just am so excited uh, to be back at Spillane. And so uh, welcome uh, not to Spillane Middle School, but welcome to Hope Rising, all right? Welcome to Hope Rising. You're here. You made it. You might have come into the back entrance, but it's okay. We're working some kinks out uh, of, of the school that we're getting used to again, and our setup is a little bit different, and uh, this has been our home. And so this this past summer, or this this summer, we've been able to be at Goodson Middle School. They needed us to be, uh, be away from this school because of construction, some other things going on. And so we are back here. Uh, we don't plan on moving uh, anytime soon. So this is where we will be every Sunday, moving forward, 1030, and uh, just experiencing God to do great things uh, here at Spillane and this fall. Uh, we... Uh we've got a lot of great things going on this this fall. One of the things that I'm excited to, to bring to you is that we've been working on the last few months. Uh, we've been working on a new leadership structure for our church and something that's sustainable for the long term. And uh, I'm excited that we're going to be able to put that on our website this week. Uh, but I just wanted to bring it to the church and let you know that, hey, we, that we're, we're planning on growth and, and have strategies in, in place for growth. And, and as, as, it go, as we grow and as God allows increase, that, that we would have a sustainable structure, leadership structure, that would allow us to adapt and grow as we grow. And not something that every time we hit a, a growth barrier that says, oh, we got to change our leadership structure. We've done some learning over this past three or four months and realized that there was, there was a better way. How many know if there's a better way than we want to take the better way? Amen? Like, we we want to go a better way. And so, uh, we have discovered a better way. And through coaching and teaching, uh, over the past several months, uh, we have, uh, we've been able to do that. And so, Dave, we just want to make that you aware of that. Uh, You can go on our website uh here this week and we will put that on there under the leadership section that you can check that out and see if you would like. And so, I'm just really excited about that. I'm excited about fall groups starting today. Uh, the sign-ups for it for real like you you got to get into a group, whatever you do. Look to somebody next to you and say get into a group. That's it. Get into a group. And uh, because this is what this is what happens when when you get into groups and, and you start connecting with people. Uh, We have a, uh, one of our, our team leads uh, that, that helps us uh, run the usher team is John Stanley. And John's just killing it with the ushers and really helping us. Does a great job. But he said this, he said this one statement the other day. And he said this, he says, we're the team that sets up and takes down the walls a.k.a. Pipe and Drape. Doesn't that Pipe and Drape look good? Tom and, and John and Matthew and man, I'm telling you, it, it makes, it makes it all feel good. But we're the team that sets up and takes down the walls between which God's message is delivered and the chairs where hope is found. Man, that's so good. I'm gonna say that again because it's so good between which God's message is delivered and the chairs where hope is found. I think that's our desire every Sunday, that, that hope would be found in the seats that are filled. And that one day, maybe there's a seat next to you that's empty. Maybe next week, that seat, you'll invite somebody, and that seat will be filled. It'll be a neighbor. It'll be a co-worker. It'll be somebody at the grocery store. Having, wherever people find themselves, that, that we would be able to, to bring them, invite them, and let them know that there's a place that they can find hope His name is Jesus, but the place, we believe, is Hope Rising. And so uh, we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Be bringing somebody. Bring somebody with you next week. Uh, Just to let you know, uh, service may feel like it goes slightly longer. Uh, It's not that it's going longer. It's just that we lost power right at 1030 when we started service And so if you came in a little bit late um, Then you didn't know that but we started about 10 to 15 minutes late today Uh, So i'm gonna try and wrap up quick uh for you, but uh, I'm still gonna give you and bring you the goods. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. All right y'all give it up for trevin my man. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you Everybody needs a Trevin in their life. And so, uh, hey, today we're going to be exploring uh, life, relationships, community. We're going to continue to talk about uh, groups today, why they are important. If you remember last week, we talked about how we, how we need some people in our lives to raise the bar in our lives. That sometimes as we are lifting the worries and the cares of life, we lift them and it starts to get a little heavy sometimes. Anybody been there before where life just seemed a little heavy? It seemed like it was too much to bear and, and that we needed some people in our life that we, we, call, we call them spotters when you're working out, uh, but as you're working out and they help you lift what you can't lift by yourself and that we need some people in our lives to be just that, not push the bar down, but lift the bar up, raise the bar up in our lives and we find that. As we join groups and make that a part of our lives, and so we're going to continue this conversation today, uh, and and let you know that it, it it may start on Sunday, it may start on a day like today, but it doesn't have to end this way. See, we just believe that Sundays are a day that we come in and we celebrate. Like like our, our dream team earlier, they came in, they showed up early, and they set up, and, and they set up, and what we do is we come in and we make a way so people can find hope and people can experience the presence of Jesus, but but we're coming in and celebrating all that God did this week. I mean, how many how many thankful for all that God did this week? It, 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 it may have not felt like God was doing a whole lot of good in your life this week, but I think if we can evaluate, if we can look back that all of God, what all God has been doing we can realize that you know what God even though I may be in the middle of something I see your hand in it and so we're coming together today celebrating all that God has done but it doesn't stop here. Everybody say it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop here, because you gotta wake up tomorrow and uh, you're gonna sleep in tomorrow because you're not working, but you're gonna wake up on Tuesday, you're gonna wake up on Tuesday and you're gonna go to work and, and, and storms or things will happen, problems will, will, will show up, and, 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 and you're gonna have to figure out how to respond to those things. Would you, agree, would you agree with me that sometimes in life, things aren't always exactly the way we think they should be? Or the process isn't what we prefer. Have you ever been there? Life, if we're being honest, it has its challenges. Let me help you illustrate this. Have you ever, have you ever seen some memes? You know, we're, we live in a meme society or a meme culture. Uh, but what they think I do versus what I really do. Right? Like teachers. Do we have any teachers? I don't have teachers in our church, but anybody here today? Your teacher? Do we have that slide? Teacher. All right. So what my friends think I do, what my mom thinks I do, what society thinks I do, what my boss thinks I do, what I think I do, and what I actually do. It's great. A whole bunch of papers. That's what I do. You have homework when you go home taking care, and getting ready for the next day. Um, If you're a mom, if you're a mom, what my mother thinks I do, what society thinks I do, what my husband thinks I do. (laughs) Come on, you're laughing because you know it's true. Come on. What I think I do, mess with my kid and I'll kill you. (laughs) How how many, come on moms, come on. How many like, you're like, like you can mess with me cool you mess with my kid I will cut you what I really do all the kids on you trying to work and what you really would love to do but maybe tomorrow okay maybe tomorrow all right uh, pastors what society thinks I do what my parents think I do what my friends think I do I'll go play golf if you take me let's go. What my church thinks I do, what I should do, and what I actually do, there's a lot of truth to all of that, and uh, so good. Hey, even, even as a Christian or a Christ follower, some of us, we may have the perception that life is going to be easy. If I just give my life to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Oh, it's going to be great. You know, that you're never going to have hard times. Your marriage is always going to be great. You're never going to face trials or or disappointments. You're never going to be tempted by anything in this world. Everything is going to be smooth as butter. In other words, we have a preferred picture of what our journey following Jesus should look like, but oftentimes the reality is a little different. How many of you agree? Maybe you follow Jesus for a while and you could testify today that the journey is a little bit different. It's still a little bumpy. Kind of like getting on a plane, right? Get get on the plane, you're given the instructions. This is how you put your seatbelt on. Thanks, because I didn't know. And if we lose cabin pressure, right, they give you all these instructions and nobody ever pays attention to them and they're on their phones, like, you know, sending last minute text messages or whatever, uh, looking at Instagram just a little bit longer and, and then they take off, right? Like, you're pretty sure you're going to get there, right? You're going to get to your destination. You're going to get to where you're going, but you may experience some bumps, some turbulence. There may, there may be some things that happen along the way that you wish didn't happen, in every single one of us, we fight spiritual battles on a daily basis. Gossip, envy, lust, pride. We have wrong attitudes or behaviors. Like, you fill in the blank for you because the list could go on. But I've got good news for you today. Everybody say he's got good news. The good news is this. The good news is that just makes you normal. I just saved you a therapy session, okay? Like, you don't have to go to your counselor this week. I'm just helping you out. It makes you normal. Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, "I'm normal." Turn to your second choice and say, "He said I was normal." <laughs> he said I was normal. There's there's a guy there's a guy in the Bible named Saul. All right, New Testament guy in the Bible named Saul, and Saul killed Christians for sports. All right. Like, it was just fun for him. He would walk into towns, and he would ask the, the town leadership and the governors of the day. He, was, he would say, hey, I'm here to kill Christians. Do you mind if I do that? And he would go and kill Christians. But there was this one day, this one day that he's on this road called Damascus. And as, he, on his, as he's on his way to this road called Damascus, there was this encounter with Jesus. There was this moment, this angel of the Lord appeared and blinds him, and, and his life was changed forever. How many know when you have an encounter with Jesus, our lives begin to change forever? Come on, that's good news. I don't know where you may be today, but. When we experience Jesus, whether it's for the first time or whether it's another time down the road, but as we're on the road to life and we experience the power and the presence of Jesus, there's things in our life that begins to change. Why? Because we're becoming increasingly more like Jesus. Come on, you're with me. You sound good today. Saul becomes known as a giant in the Christian faith. So he has this experience with with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, no longer is he killing Christians. He's trying to get people to become Christians. Talking about a turn of events. His name would eventually change to Paul. and So he could better relate to the audience that he was trying to reach. And now he is this spiritual giant teaching people about Jesus telling Jesus, telling people basically this, I experienced Jesus, you wouldn't believe it, this is what he did. This is where I was and who I was. Jesus stepped in, and now this is who I am. Isn't that, not that right? This is who I was before I met Jesus. Jesus stepped into my life, and now because he did that, I now am here. Maybe let me say it like this. Once I was blind, Jesus stepped in, and now I am. I see. Once I was lost, Jesus stepped in, and now I am found. Y'all going to have to help me out. Come on. Once I was this way, I did a lot of bad stuff. Maybe you were a good person, but you just didn't have Jesus in your life. But being good doesn't get you anywhere in this life, okay, or in the next life. you got to have Jesus. So Jesus steps into your life. He makes things better, and now you are a new creation. This Labor Day, y'all, if y'all gonna be quiet, I'll just keep on preaching, all right? I'll tell them to turn the lights out. I'll keep on going, all right? (laughs) But now, Paul is this spiritual giant, right, teaching people about Jesus. He is this person of unshakable faith. I mean, he writes most of the New Testament. But yet, even Paul, he knew all too well the daily challenges and the struggles that he was facing, and they were real. And so in Romans, it says this, it says, chapter seven, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, Mm -hmm. for I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for for, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Anybody got kids? We won't point you out right now. We'll point your kids out. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Everybody say the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know, verse 18, that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong, and it's a sin living in me that does it. I have discovered the principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. We say, I love God with all my heart but there is another power within me. There is a struggle that is real within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Here's a man, a giant of the faith, being real, being honest, like, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. You see that shirt? No? Okay. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Got your attention anyways. But I love Jesus, but I got some things that I struggle with. We have Paul saying, hey, I'm a giant in the faith, but I constantly got some things I'm struggling with. This thing we call sin, doing wrong when we know to do right, doing the very thing he doesn't wanna do. It's kinda like nighttime. At my house, it's about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. The kids are in bed, it's Kristen and I watching TV talking something and i do the thing that i know i shouldn't do i want to do it but i know i shouldn't do it like it's not good for me and i, I know that but something on the deep down inside of me says i don't care i want some bluebell <laughs> and i want some coffee do you, anybody know my pain come on. The the struggle is real. I walked into HEB the other night with my daughter, and I said, Bria, what would you like? Vanilla or cookie two-step? I was never a good dancer, so it's about as good as I get. And she goes, Dad, I want vanilla. And I said, baby, I want want cookie two-step. And I look at her, and she looks at me and we smile. She says, dad, let's get both. <laughs> and I can't, I can't say no to my daughter. And so I politely agree and we get both. And, and I have about 3000 cups of, of like Keurig cups that were just instant, right? Put it in the, in the Keurig, boom, coffee, Ah, uh, 30 seconds. I got me some coffee. It tastes good. Like, let's go, and so every night, well, it's not every night, but it's a lot of nights, if I'm being honest. Me and Bluebell and a cup of coffee. I know I shouldn't. The doctor would say, it raises your blood pressure and it's gonna make you fat. But I say, I don't care, it feels good. Oftentimes, it's that way in our spiritual journey, though, isn't it? We know what's best for us. We know we shouldn't eat Bluebell or have coffee at 11 o'clock at night, but we give in to our human desires. Here's what I love God knew we would need other people to help us along our journey. In fact, I want you, I want you to get this right here. You can't be all that God created you to be and you can't do all that God created you to do without other people. You can't be all that God created you to be and I can't do all that God created me to do without other people. You need other people in your life. I, I, I hear people say sometimes, I don't need anybody else. I've got all the friends I need. Or I don't like people. I just want to stay home. And maybe that's you, and that's okay, but I just want to tell you today that you can't be and you can't do what God wants you to do unless you have other people in your life. And so today, I want us to look at four types of people found in Scripture that you and I need in our lives, all right? First person is this. Everybody needs a Nathan in their life. Everybody everybody say, I need a Nathan. You're going to have to do it a little bit better than that. Come on now. I need a Nathan, There we go. Nathan in the Old Testament was known as a friend to King David. But even beyond that, Nathan was also known to speak the truth in King David's life. He was a prophet. He was somebody that was known as a truth teller. Anybody been there before? Nathan was a truth teller. Well, what does a truth teller do? I think that's a really good question. Uh, They simply said, they tell the truth. In fact, they tell you the truth when sometimes the perspective in your life is incomplete or inaccurate. They may say, hey, bro, I'm going to talk to you about your marriage because there's some things that I see in your marriage that doesn't quite look healthy or I've been seeing you and seeing what you're bringing home and and and, and, I, and you're doing all of this and all of that and, and I'm seeing you making a lot of purchases. can I just can I just tell you that it seems like your finances kind of seem a little out of whack a little bit. Now I get it you need to be able to trust that person to be able to receive that but that's why we need a Nathan in our lives. We need a truth teller. Because who really wants one of those in your life? Ah, <laughs> I'm going to spend what I want to spend. I'm going to do what I want to do. Come on, right? But David, he was this powerful and godly king. He, he, he was a guy who, who, who slayed the giant, right? He slayed Goliath. When nobody else would go, David stepped up as a teenager and said, Ah, let me see him. I got him. He unites the kingdom of Israel and he inspires God's people towards greatness. I mean, politically, spiritually, economically. I mean, he was about as good as it gets. David was the ideal person that everybody wanted to be like. But it turns out that even in the midst of all of his glory and all of his kingship, he ends up having an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. And then... Because things were going south, he ends up having her husband killed. He brings her into the palace, and she has the baby. And it, 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 it seemed like David was getting away with something. Seemed like David whew, was escaping a really bad situation. If you ever, ever know somebody like that? You were like, well, why didn't, why didn't they get, why, why don't they get in trouble for what they did? Why, 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 that is not right. No, it's not right. But it would have been easy for David to think he was on track. And he did actually. But then the truth teller arrived on the scene. Nathan shows up. Do y'all get this, all right? Whew. Some of y'all need a friend like this, all right? We all need friends like this. But this gonna punch you right in the throat, okay? Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse one. So the Lord sent Nathan. Who sent Nathan? The Lord. Come on, somebody. The prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great, a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb. He had bought. He raised this little lamb. He grew it up as his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. Ew. Everybody go, ew. (laughs) Okay, that's cool. We like our dogs, but that's gross, okay? He cuddled it in his arms. He held it like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at, at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb, his only lamb, and he killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious, As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. I can only imagine David in that moment like, I mean, he's king. Like he could kill Nathan right here shut him down. You were that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and I saved you from the power of Saul. This is a different Saul that we were talking about earlier. This is a different one. But I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, with the sword of the Amorites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. If I'm David in that moment, I'm feeling really low. I'm feeling pretty bad. And David and his family would go on. You could go on to read more of that story. They go on and they have hardships and they have betrayal and, and they have things happen to their family that nobody would want to experience in their lifetime. But the beautiful thing about the story is that David would repent. He would turn from his ways. He would repent. He would say, I'm sorry. He would, he would turn his heart back to God, and for the rest of history, we would know David and refer to David as a man after God's own heart. A man who did wrong, but that had a friend in his life that said, You've done wrong, but there's a way to make it right. Maybe not on this earth, but with God Himself. Oh, we all need a Nathan in our lives. I would say that's maybe the toughest one. But we all need a Nathan. Secondly, everybody needs a Paul. A Paul in their life. When I think of Paul, I think of a mentor. A mentor is someone with proven experience that you can trust and learn from. Everybody needs a mentor in their life, I believe it. Whether it's in business, whether it's a church, whether it's spiritual or practical, we need some mentors. Can I tell you, we need some We need some husbands mentoring other husbands. We need some dads mentoring some other dads. Somebody we can learn from. And the Apostle Paul, this is the New Testament Paul that we we originally read about. He was an excellent example of a mentor to a young boy named Timothy. In fact, he refers to Timothy as his true son in the faith. Maybe not a biological son, but a true son in the faith. And Paul saw Timothy, and he realized the potential that Timothy had on the inside of him. He saw something that was different. And his desire was, I believe he looked at Timothy Timothy and said, I'm going to develop you. I'm going to grow you in your faith. I'm going to grow you in the gifts that God has given you. And to be quite honest, this is, this is one of the things that we ask our groups leaders to do. That, that you're just not leading a group. If, if you ever lead a group here uh, with Hope Rising, I, I want you to know that that you're just not leading a group. You're just, you're just not doing something, whether it's fun or it's a Bible study or whatever it may be. You're looking into other people's lives and saying, you know what, here's a next step for you. Well, we're taking people along a journey because we all have a next step to take and we're gonna go and, and direct people and help them take their next steps. And what you're doing as a group's leader is saying, hey, you're mentoring them. You're pouring into them. You're saying, I believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. I'll stand with you when you don't want to stand. I will lift your arms when you can't lift your arms. I will raise the bar in your life when it seems too heavy. When you can't lift the things of this world, I will help you lift it. So Paul spent hours pouring into Timothy, teaching him the ways of ministry. Oftentimes where you saw Paul, you saw Timothy. A lot of times in the New Testament, when you read about Paul, you read also about Timothy. It, it was common for Paul to go on journeys or, or go to towns and speak and minister, and and Timothy would be right there alongside Paul. And so not only did, did Timothy learn from these long conversations. How many know you, they have some really long conversations. They're probably, they're like in their Uber, just talking, going to the next place. Man, that's amazing what God did yesterday. Did you see what God did yesterday? That's amazing, but I can't, I can't wait to see what God does to this next place we're going to. And I believe in those conversations, Paul, through that relationship, Paul was able to say, yeah, yeah, God did amazing things back there, but what is God doing in your life? When's, when's the last time you've, you've spoken to somebody's life and you asked them, what's, like, what's God doing in your life? It's an important question to ask because the ultimate goal of a mentor should not be the replication of oneself in a person's life, but rather that of Christ. The idea of a mentor is not to replicate myself, but it's to replicate Jesus that lives inside of me and lives inside of you. And just like God has things planned for me and and gifts and talents inside of me, it's our job to look inside of other people and say, you know what, God's gifted you with greatness. There's things inside of you that that we want to pull out. So Paul would say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." And what a mentor does, he helps people reach their full potential in God. How many want to reach your full potential? I want to reach my full potential. That's why I need a mentor in my life. You need a mentor in yours. Thirdly, everybody needs a Timothy. We've been talking a lot about him. A Nathan, a Paul. But everybody needs a Timothy in their life. A Paul to lift us up, and a Timothy to pull up. A Paul to lift us up, and a Timothy to pull up. Deep within us, God's given us talents, abilities, gifts, that need to be developed and refined. This is not just a talk for teenagers. This is a talk for for grown adults, that there's things inside of you. God is still, still doing something inside of you. I believe if you have breath this morning, God still has purpose for you, that he's not done with you. There's something on the inside of you that God is wanting to continue to develop and grow. And when you find those things in someone, you found your Timothy. They could be older than you. They could be younger than you. But when you find those things, you have found your Timothy. Can I tell you this person, they need somebody to believe in them. And when I thought about this, I thought, we all need somebody to believe in us. You need somebody to believe in you. I need somebody to believe in me. And what I found is that I am better when I surround myself around people that believe in me. Can I tell you that you are better when you surround yourself with people that believe in you? Yeah, we need, we need, we need the truth tellers. We need some people to help us with some blind spots in our life. But, but what we need in our lives is just for somebody to say, hey, come on, I'm gonna help you lift this just a little bit, right? I'm gonna help you. I see you trying to do this. I see some things inside of you. Dude, yeah, man, you could lift 250, let's go. But you may not can lift it event, uh, uh, initially. You might need some help. And so you might need somebody to say, hey, I'm gonna lift this bar just a little bit for you. I'm not gonna lift it. I'm not gonna lift the whole weight. I'm just gonna kind of just kind of just ease my way into it, but I'm gonna help you do this. We need a Timothy. In fact, I believe we've got a world full of Timothys. Sitting in seats, going to schools, driving down the freeways, Showing up to work, that just needs somebody to believe in them. And maybe you're here today, and you, you're like, "That's me. I need somebody to believe in me." Lastly, everybody needs a Barnabas. Everybody needs a a Barnabas in their life, because life has its ups and downs, right? I mean, it has its ups. When it's high, it's high. When it's low, it's low. It has its ups and downs but we need somebody to come alongside of us and encourage us, pat us on the back, to give us an attaboy, to give us a, a good game, pow. Anybody been in sports? Isn't it weird that in sports, like you, if, you, if, you, if you're if you watching a game, they're like, hey, good job, pat him on the rear. You're like, man, that's really strange, but okay. Um, and so uh, we need people in our lives that are like, hey, good game, good job, let's go, keep it going. This is Barnabas. He was known as an encourager, an encourager. In Acts chapter 4, we read where Barnabas sold some of his land that he had owned and he gave profit to some of the fellow believers to help them out. That's, that's, that's a friend, right? We, we want that friend in our life. Acts chapter 9, we read that Barnabas stood by Paul's side while he was trying to reconcile the church that he had previously persecuted. People were freaking out. Paul's like, hey, no, I'm changed. They're like, we don't care. We're scared of you. And Barnabas, he had, he had been there, and he was like, no, 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 no. This guy's okay. He stood up for this guy. He ain't, no, you're going to want him on your side now. We want him on our side now? But he was just killing our friends. I know. Trust me. Believe in me. You want him on your side now. Okay, cool. Let's go. You you want J.J. Watt on your side. Let's go, okay? And, and so, and so go Texans next week. So And and so, he, he is an encourager. Barnabas was an encourager. And it's interesting that his parents would name him Joseph, but but the leaders of the early church would call him Barnabas, which literally meant son of encouragement. How I many love that with your name to mean that? Son of encouragement. It's kind of like people in the country, right? Like your name can be anything in the country, but everybody calls you Bubba, Right? Right, like we youth pastor in a small town before, and and it didn't matter what anybody's name was. Everybody's name was Bubba, and it, it normally actually was normally like this: Hey Bubba, hey Bubba, and like because they had dip in their mouth and just you know, hey Bubba, you know, and like it didn't matter if your name was Dale. It didn't matter if it was Joe. It, it didn't matter you know what your name was. Everybody called you Bubba, just a good old boy, right? Barnabas was this type of person, a person that you felt good to be around. Start thinking of some people in your life like that. People that, man, I'm just better when I'm around them. I'm better when I talk to them. He was a man who believed in the potential of people and he put others before himself. I'm telling you, we all need a Barnabas in our life. Someone to come alongside us, to infuse courage and inspiration to help us become a better person. So my question to you this morning is this. Do you have a Nathan? Do you have a Paul? Do you have a Timothy? Do you have a Barnabas? Four people that I believe we desperately need in our lives. If not, it's okay. In fact, I would say it's not very easy to have those four types of people at one time in your life. But if you don't, if you don't have those four types of people, someone to be honest with you, someone to pour into, someone pouring into you, someone encouraging you, if you don't have those people, I want you to know that you could start looking for them in groups. Because like Sundays are great. Like we love Sundays. Like we we realize that it all starts here on a Sunday, but but you know where I get to know you and you get to know me and 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 you get to know each other. It's not like this. I've been talking for the last 30 minutes. Speaking about God's Word and wanting to inspire you and, and pour into you and let you know that God's got you. But, but where we're going to get to know each other is when we go to Starbucks together or have you over at the house or I'll come over to your house and have steak. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, mean, I might as well go for gold, right? That's where we're going to get to know each other. And it's not always easy to to open up and to be vulnerable and all of those things right out the get-go, but I'm telling you, if you'll find yourself in a group where people are unassuming, will love you for who you are, It will accept you for exactly where you're at. It'll change your life. I just don't say that, but I believe it. Because as I'm looking across this morning, I see people's lives that have been changed because of attending a group. God is a relational God. And he desires to be in an ongoing relationship with each of us. And a lot of times it's not just us and God, but the relationship continues through other people. Last, this past spring, we had over 90, over 90% of our church was in a group. Over 90% of our church found themselves doing life with other people outside of a Sunday can I tell you we're not a church with groups we are a church of groups this is not something that we do it's who we are it's not just something that we thought was a good idea it's something that we said when we're going to start our church this is something that we're going to do because this is who we are that we're gonna do life with people and we're gonna love people. And we're gonna let people know that you can belong before you believe. In fact, this past spring we had people attending groups that don't even attend our church, but they were attending a group. I think that's amazing. You may have friends, you may know people that don't attend this church, but they need to be in a group. Get them in the group. It's not just something we do, it's who we are. I love what Hebrews 10 23 says. It says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, not just on a Sunday. But let us not neglect groups during the week, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let me pray for you today. Maybe, maybe you, maybe the answer for you is to talk to somebody today about groups. You can talk to somebody at the Next Steps area and go on our website. But maybe, maybe today you need a Nathan or, or you need a Barnabas. You need a Paul. You need a Timothy. Can I tell you that you're going to find some of those people in your group as you do life with them. And that you don't have to go through life alone. I know it gets busy. You may feel alone right now, but I want you to know that you don't have to be alone. A text away, a call away, a message away. To be encouraged. And to know that when you're going through it, other people are praying and believing in you. So today, maybe you're here and you say, I just would love for you to pray for me today, Pastor Welby maybe you're going through some things and you just need God just to to pour his presence and his peace over your life you say God's doing some things on the inside of me but I just I would love some prayer no one's talking or looking around but you say that's me I'd love to pray for you right now would you lift your hand across this place yeah I see your hands yeah I see your hands I see your hands yeah just lift it up and put your hand down you say that's me I just want to just love for you to pray for me Lord, I pray for your people today that, Lord, maybe they feel hopeless. Maybe they feel alone. Maybe they they feel isolated by themselves. God, I pray that you would touch your people today. God, I pray that you would move in their lives and their hearts. I pray that as we do life together, God, that we find ourselves doing life and, and, and hanging out in groups and, and not just having fun in our group, but, God, also becoming better people and, Lord, Lord getting, growing closer to you, God. and Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that as we do that, Lord, we would find the right people. God, place the right people in our lives that we need. Lord, I need the right people in my life. And, God, I, I pray, Lord, that, that we all would find the right people in our lives. That would help encourage us and help lift the bar. And God, help speak truth, Lord, to areas when we need truth. And Lord, move in us. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself far from God. Maybe you're far from God or you've never given your life to Jesus. I want you to know we exist so people far from God experience new life in Christ. That's why we do Sundays. We want you to experience the power and the presence of the Lord. But if you don't know him today, we want to give you that opportunity. Right now, I want to pray for you. I want, to, I want to say a prayer with you. If that's you today, you say, that's me, and I want to give my life to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. Would you lift your hand? No one's talking. No one looking around. Just You say, that's me. You Just lift your hand. You can put it down today. You say, that's me, Pastor Welby. Would you pray for me? I want to pray for you today. Come on, lift your hand up in this room. Yeah. Yeah. And come back to him today. Yeah, why don't you say this prayer with me all across this place. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Lord, your word says, "All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Make me new today, Jesus. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And Lord, You're making me more like you today. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together today. Thank you for joining us in the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at hoperising.co. If you're in the Cypress, Texas area, we would love to connect with you on Sundays, 10 a.m. at Spillane Middle School. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.